0: If you don't live in Georgia, you might not remember the name Brad Raffensperger, But if you do remember, it's probably because of this.
1: OK, thank you very much. Hello, Brad and Ryan and everybody. We appreciate the time and the call. Um, so we've spent a lot of time on this. And
0: This is a phone call that then-President Donald Trump made after the 2020 election.
1: Brad, what are we going to do? Uh, we won the election and it's not fair to take it away from us like this. And it's going to be very costly in many ways. and I think you have to say that you're going to re-examine it and you can re-examine
0: it.: And you might remember how Raffensberger, a Republican, pushed back against the president.:
2: We don't agree that you have one. We we, I didn't agree about the 200,000 number that you mentioned. And I could go through that point by point. Brad
0: Raffensperger is the secretary of state in Georgia. So in 2020, he oversaw the state's election. And when Trump got on the phone with him, pressuring him to find the votes he needed to win the state, Raffensperger was the one who said, no, Mr. President, you're wrong.
1: And even if you cut them in half, cut them in half and cut them in half again, it's more votes than we need.
0: Well, Mr. President,
1: the challenge that you have is the data you have is wrong.
0: Now Raffensperger is in a complicated situation because he's up for re-election and in a state like Georgia, you don't just refuse to help Donald Trump overturn an election and hope to stay in office. I just want to find
1: 11,780 votes.
0: From the newsroom of The Washington Post... This is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Monday, May 23rd. Today, we're going deep on Tuesday's primary in Georgia, where candidates will be chosen for governor, for the US Senate, and for other seats, like Secretary of State, that have become hugely important as elections have become more politicized. And we're going to hear what these primary results will tell us about the state of the GOP nationwide. Can you still be a part of the Republican Party if you refuse to, quote, stop this deal?
2: So Georgia, more than almost any other state in the country, has a huge referendum on the influence of the former president and his hold over the Republican Party.
0: That's Matt Brown, Georgia native and the post-political correspondent there. Matt has been following a bunch of different campaigns and how they've been influenced by Trump.
2: We've been able to see that because he's launched some pretty unprecedented vendettas against some incumbent Republican lawmakers here.
1: And your rhino governor, Brian Kemp, who's been a complete disaster on election integrity.
2: Who, while they maintained that they supported Trump in office, were not willing to go along with his most maximalist election claims that the election was stolen or there was some conspiracy theory that led to his defeat.
0: One of the races where this dynamic is most
2: clear is the election for governor. So we've got about six candidates who are running, but really it's a heavy two-person race between incumbent Governor Brian Kemp and challenger, former Senator David Perdue. The two have really been competing against each other over a host of conservative issues, but most notably over the status of the 2020 election and whether or not Joe Biden actually won the state. Now, to be clear, multiple investigations and multiple audits of Georgia's elections have shown that Biden did win the state. However, this has been something that Trump and his allies have continuously attempted to say that is not the case. And former Senator David Perdue has made it the absolute linchpin of his campaign to challenge Brian Kemp.
0: So these are names that I feel like I've heard a lot in the news over the past couple of years, Brian Kemp and David Perdue. And I would love for you to talk to me a little bit more about when they've come up in the past and why their names are kind of national names. So let's start with Brian Kemp. Who is he and what is his history leading up to this moment in this governor's race?
2: Brian Kemp is the incumbent governor of Georgia right now. And most recently, he really made a name for himself by getting into former President Donald Trump's crosshairs over the results of the 2020 election.
1: And the governor's done nothing. He's done absolutely nothing. I'm ashamed that I endorsed him. I'll be here in about a year and a half campaigning against you, governor. I guarantee you. <laughs>
2: He refused in 2020 to enact a special session of the legislature to review the results in Georgia and rule Trump the victor. But then he also wasn't interested in Trump's maximalist claims about the 2020 election, that it was stolen in some way.
1: I'm going to follow the law and the Constitution. It's bigger than any party. It's bigger than any
2: politician. Certainly bigger than me. That situation actually was a very uncomfortable place for Kemp to be, who had been endorsed by Trump in 2018. Like, this is a guy who, for most of his career in Georgia, had been a massive election security hawk.
1: Administering elections is a great but unique responsibility. The foundation of our republic rests on the trust that Americans have in the way that we elect representatives in our government.
2: He, for instance, in 2018, had led the charge in purging 107,000 people from Georgia's voter rolls over a number of regulations that he'd enacted as secretary of state. That was already going into his race against Stacey Abrams, which turned out to be a huge issue here in 2018, when Democrats and voting rights advocates were really seeing him as the major villain of the voting rights situation here in Georgia.
0: And then we have Purdue, who is running against Kemp. He's a former senator. So tell me a little bit about him and how he's coming into this moment.
2: David Perdue was a former senator who was elected to Georgia in 2014 during a you know, Republican wave year when they took back the Senate from the Democrats.
0: What a
1: great night. I'm, I'm telling you, I have chill bumps. We have got to work hard. The, the part of my speech right here, you just can't believe what, what I'm about to tell you. Just because we had an election, seriously, this journey's just starting. And now we know we have a majority in the U.S. Senate where we'll move those 300 bills off Harry Reid's desk, finally, and get a vote.
2: He is a former businessman who is also a pretty known quantity here in Georgia. You know, his family's been around politics and business in the state for a very long time. But when he was challenged for his seat in 2020 by now-Senator John Ossoff, he then proceeded to lose the election to Ossoff along with his fellow senator, Kelly Loeffler against Senator Raphael Warnock. That was a major upset in politics because it handed Democrats control of the upper chamber of Congress, which allowed President Joe Biden to be able to pass large parts of his agenda. So David Perdue was very, very frustrated in that entire race by the fact that he believes that he had the situation was interfered with. And we actually know that he'd complained that, that Trump's aspersions on the election were part of the reason why he lost. Even so, though, when Trump approached him with his own grievances and saying that I'm really frustrated. Frustrated by what I think was Brian Kemp not necessarily going along with my plan for the the Georgia elections. He really pressured David Perdue to be his guy, to go and run for governor and take out this governor who Trump saw as ungrateful and who owed him for his seat in Georgia. So that's why David Perdue, after much prodding from the former president, actually did hop into the race. And and, and since then, he's really adopted this persona that a lot of people in the state at times say they don't even recognize. Like he's singularly focused on both his own election loss, but also Trump's election loss, saying that the 2020 election was stolen. And that's really the linchpin of his campaign, this incredible frustration and aggrievement with the fact that Republicans didn't get the election results that they wanted in 2020. So that situation has had him really hammering Brian Kemp nonstop about this one issue. So far, though, doesn't seem that it's really taking hold with Georgia voters. Brian Kemp is, in the last poll, basically pushing 60 percent against Purdue, which I think is a really interesting dynamic and speaks to the mood of Georgia Republicans when they're looking at this race and how they're thinking ahead in this fall.
0: So for voters in Georgia who are comparing these two candidates, then it sounds like what you're saying is that the defining feature is how these two candidates have been talking about and thinking about the 2020 election and efforts to overturn election results. And that like where you stand on that question of was it wrong for Trump to try to overturn election results is also essentially where you're probably going to stand in this race for the Republican candidate for governor.
2: Yes, that is partly the case. People are definitely when they back Kemp are saying, I don't think that that this election security issue or whether the 2020 election was stolen, that's not my biggest issue that I'm going to be coming out with. And the people who, generally speaking, when I talk to voters who were most convinced the election was stolen, and who are most bought into the most radical conspiracy theories about the election, they're generally backing Purdue. That said, when you talk to a lot of her voters and when I'm zigzagging this state, I'm not necessarily hearing out of a lot of Republicans who are backing Kemp that they think that, oh, the election wasn't stolen and this is a whole bunch of, you know, baloney. They're actually saying, yeah, sure. I think there was a lot of issues there.
1: I I don't think there's
2: any doubt there were some problems, particularly in Fulton County, but it's over. We can't do anything about it. I think that Kemp could have done something better, but I trust him on a lot of other issues.
1: I've really been pleased with what Brian Kemp, as governor, has done with the pandemic issues, with the uh, economy issues.
2: Brian Kemp, just in this past legislative session, has passed some a massive number of long-held conservative priorities. He passed a, you know, permitless carry bill that basically makes it so that you don't need any type of licensing whatsoever almost to carry a firearm here in Georgia. He passed a lot of bills targeting trans children and gender education in schools. He passed legislation that targeted the banning of some books and restrictions of of what curriculums are allowed to teach in Georgia schools. And they passed that really good, depending on if you're a Republican, I guess, package of voting laws SB202 in 2021 that added a lot more restrictions to how you're able to vote in the state. So Kemp is basically, on every single campaign stop that I've been to, and every single time that he's been in a debate with Purdue, has said, yes, like I think there were issues with the 20 election, but we then passed this, you know, supermassive package of voting reforms that, you know, takes a lot of power away from the counties and puts it into the state legislature. He's saying we solved those issues. I promise you that I went there and I cracked down on these elections.
0: And then what about Trump's specific role in endorsing one of these candidates and really putting his weight behind Purdue? I mean, how, how much is that playing a role of people looking to Trump and saying, like, whoever you like, it's the guy that we
2: like? Well, it's very, very clear whenever you go out and talk to folks that Trump still has a strong connection with the conservative base here in Georgia. People really like him. They thought that he was a good president, but they aren't willing to say that just because you like someone, that means that I'm going to go along with every single thing that you say I should go and endorse, especially if it's not necessarily aligning with some of the things that I want. When it comes to Donald Trump, a lot of Georgia Republicans have their own you know, conservative credentials that they're able to brandish and say that, that they're just as conservative or more conservative than the former president on some issues and and Brian Kemp is the you know quintessential example of that
0: So whoever wins this Republican primary is likely going to be facing off against Stacey Abrams in the fall. Stacey Abrams, who many believe will be the Democrat candidate in this race, who is clearly has a huge reputation in Georgia and will be a formidable candidate considering how close she was against Kemp four years ago. So how much of that is playing into the thinking of Republican voters right now of like which candidate has a better chance of beating
2: Stacey Abrams? So both sides are very clearly obsessed with beating Stacey Abrams. It's mm-hmm. literally the first thing that both Purdue and Kemp say when they're both on the stump. Oh, interesting. Purdue will come out and say that yes, we all love Brian. Brian's great because he doesn't want to go negative on Kemp. But then he'll say he's divided the party because he doesn't support Trump's election conspiracy theories. He isn't fit to challenge Stacey Abrams and he's going to lose because the Republicans will be divided. Hmm. Brian Kemp is saying the exact opposite. He's saying that you guys can't be caught up in these internal party fights. We have to focus on the fact that Stacey Abrams and the Georgia Democrats are incredibly mobilized. They've got a lot of money this year. So she's a formidable candidate. And the Republicans on on both sides of this issue are trying to make the, the strongest claims that she isn't going to be able to be defeated by either Brian Kemp or David Perdue, depending on who's coming here.
0: And and which which one of them is right? Like, if these are the arguments that either candidate is posing of like, if you want to beat Stacey Abrams, I'm the person who can get you there. What evidence is there to suggest that one actually might be a stronger Republican candidate here or or the other?
2: Well, the thing is, they both have some interesting points to make. A ton of Republican governors have been coming into the state to campaign for Kemp. And former Vice President Mike Pence is actually here today to really argue that you don't actually have to go look for another guy who's beaten Stacey Abrams. Brian Kemp has beaten Stacey Abrams in 2018. Mm. And they're really saying that Kemp has a solid conservative policy record, that he has a solid electoral track record, and that you don't have to go and pick David Perdue to go and challenge Stacey Abrams and and upset the party and upset an incumbent governor. You just have to focus on him. And and so far, that seems to be from what the polls are saying, what Republican voters in the state are largely believing. They they seem to want to say, I might have had issues with Brian Kemp in um, 2020 and 2021. But you know what? I'm going to trust him and back him because Republican voters here are, are very frustrated by the 2020 election result. But they really, really don't want to see Stacey Abrams as their governor. Mm-hmm. And she has um, become a lightning rod in a lot of ways for conservatives in this state mm-hmm. and their antipathy towards the Democratic coalition.
0: After the break, we talk with Matt about Brad Raffensperger and why this Secretary of State race has big stakes for the next presidential election. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Christina Quinn.
2: I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses.
0: Let's talk a little bit about some of the other races that you're watching right now in Georgia. In 2020, of course, there was a lot of attention about the Georgia Secretary of State. So tell me about that race and why you're paying attention to it.
2: Similar to the governor's race, the secretary of state, Brad Raffensperger, here in Georgia didn't cave to Trump's election demands that he, quote, find 11,000 votes to overturn the results of the 2020 election here in Georgia. So for a bit there, he became a hero nationally even for really standing up to to Trump's election conspiracy theories and denialism about his loss here in the Peach State. Now, over time, that has caused Trump to decide that he needs to have a a full-on vendetta against Raffensperger. he really wants to take him out of the office and then replace him with someone who he believes is going to be more amenable to his particular election grievances about 2020 and potentially would be more amenable to any complaints that he'd have should he decide to run in 2024. That person that he's picked is Representative Jody Heiss, who is a Georgia Republican, who was a founding member of the Freedom Caucus and was very, very close with former President Trump when he was in office in Washington.
1: Nobody understands the disaster... Of the lack of election integrity, like the people of Georgia, and now is our hour to take it back. We've got incredible leadership from President Trump, and
2: we need this. has really, really been hitting Raffensperger over the head with claims that he didn't do enough in 2020 to somehow secure the election. Mm-hmm. Heiss has been insisting on the campaign trail that even though SB202, the bill that Governor Kemp signed into law and that was passed by the state legislature that adds a lot more new regulations to Georgia's election systems, he said on the campaign trail that he'd go much further. He wants to ban drop boxes entirely. He wants to really ramp up investigations of alleged voter fraud. Ballot harvesting was created in the state of Georgia because of
1: Brad Raffensperger. He said he... Sent out these absentee ballot request form has virtually no voter identification. Institute's ballot
0: I I also wonder how much Republicans right now are thinking about the effects of all of this election fraud talk over the past couple of years. I mean, I remember hearing this all the way back to 2020 of like, if the message of your party so consistently is this election is not what it seemed like and votes, your vote actually wasn't counted. And that I remember that there was a fear that that would influence Republicans in thinking, well, if the whole election is a fraud anyways, what's the point of even voting? And so I wonder if that's a a thing that's still on the minds of Republicans, that the focus on election fraud though it is so galvanizing for the like Trumpiest of Trump voters that in other ways it could
2: depress the Republican vote come the fall. Oh, it's absolutely something that Republican Lawmakers and, and candidates are, are definitely very concerned about. A lot of Republicans are, are very concerned that the 2021 Senate runoffs were swung for Democrats, not just because of engaged Democratic turnout and focus on those races, but but also that a lot of Republicans just stayed home. That they said, "Well, if it, the race didn't go right for me in 2020, then then why would I turn out?" And the sitting president of the United States at the time was saying, "Yeah, the election was stolen, and I and I, I don't think that you that this election is going to get run fairly." So that's a huge concern for for Georgia Republicans down here, especially incumbents like Kemp and Raffensberger, who are in office are really stressing at every single campaign stop that they can possibly make that, yes, we understand that there are frustrations and concerns, but we promise you this election is going to be administered fairly. And we promise you that these cases are, are going to be handled right.
0: And I think it's important to make clear what exactly the stakes are of this race. I mean, I think in other circumstances, I don't think that the whole country would necessarily be invested in who is going to be secretary of state for one state. But that in this case, I mean, seeing how things played out in 2020, how the secretary of state was in such a high profile role of having to defend election results for this state that ended up being pivotal in the presidential election. I mean, it really makes clear why it matters what kind of secretary of state exists in this job and and what kind of Republican is going to be the candidate who's trying to get it.
2: Exactly. In elections past, like election administration wasn't the big, sexy issue that Mm -hmm. was really mobilizing voters to come to the ballot box. Totally. But in the in the wake of 2020, who is actually running elections all the way from, you know, the, the poll workers to who's observing them at the poll watching stations to who's administrating them all the way up to the secretary of state in states across the country has become a hugely polarizing issue in this country, largely driven by, you know, Trump's complaints that he believes that there was some partisan conspiracy theory against him. That issue has really now animated um, large parts of the conservative base onto this issue and is and is manifesting in these campaigns like heists, like Purdue's, where people are saying, well, if the election didn't go the way that we don't believe it did because we think that there was some type of malfeasance in the election, then, then we're going to go and make sure that we've got our people in there the next time.
0: Matt, thank you so much.
2: Absolutely. Thank you. Great to be here.
0: Matt Brown is a national political reporter for The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. This episode was produced and mixed by Ted Muldoon, with help from Arjun Singh. It was edited by Rena Flores. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.